Welcome to the Man Cave Podcast. I'm Dan Casper. I'm a sports radio host with a huge passion for sports and everything related to sports. So what is the Man Cave Podcast? The Man Cave is a place where we can go to get away, hang out with friends, talk about our passions, watch the game or a movie, banter and solve some problems. It's also a place to hang up all of your cool stuff. So I wanted to create a podcast that embraced the Man Cave lifestyle. I've got a bunch of friends, colleagues, and guests who will join me in the Man Cave. We'll also have a bunch of different, fun, and entertaining segments for you as well. Each episode of the Man Cave podcast will be different and fun. But enough with the intro. Let's get this episode started. All right, joining us now is uh, Mike Giuseffe from The Ringer. You probably know his popular podcast by now, Sports Cards Nonsense. That's one of my new favorite podcasts because, well, the uh, the splurge in the in the sports cards market. But, uh, Mike, hey, appreciate the, the time and uh, uh, welcome and thanks for joining us. Yeah, appreciate it. I like that too. Popular podcast, man. Yeah. I don't know if it's true, but I like, I'll take the compliments. I am a fan <laughs> of flattery. So even if it's not true, I'm all about it. Nice. Hey, I got to ask you before we kind of deep dive into it. How did you get into sports card collecting? Was that something when you were a kid? Cause I think we're kind of the, uh, probably the same generation, same age. Was that something you kind of grew up with? Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'll be 35 this year uh, as a kid. Yes. Okay. Uh, me and my dad always just buying boxes going up. There was like a card shop locally. I walked to it was at the bottom of the street. Uh, so yeah, like probably seven, six, seven to 13, 14. We were pretty, and I have an older brother, so he kind of did the same thing. So just kind of stuck with it as a kid then got out of it in high school and jumped back in when it started taking off, uh, in the early two thousands. Yeah. I mean, you know, cause I'll be 35 this year too. So I was a big nineties, you know, NBA 90 yep. was, was kind of like my wheelhouse and kind of like you, I just, got to high school it kind of trailed off and now it's back again i mean is it is it kind of weird to go from like when we were doing it i remember buying the tough stuff price guides oh yeah you know, yep. the, the Beckett price guides and now it's just <laughs> it's completely different it, are you kind of amazed of how much it's kind of changed a little bit or oh yeah i mean quite frankly i guess i've said on our show for like i got out of it because i was already you know going to high school is five foot two this scrawny little dude just and i was a wicked nerd anyways and it was like, so that, and then you, what do you do for fun? I collect baseball cards. It's like, I don't need to be getting shoved in lockers any more than I already am. So I, that's why I got out of it. And now it's become, a, I mean, still a hobby for me to a degree, but now it's become a business. Right. Now it's like, well, that's, you know, and people still laugh. What do you do for work? I sell baseball cards and talk about it, but it's like, well, at the same time, I didn't go to college and I make pretty good living doing it. So it's, it's, it's weird that it's become like this cool thing to do now. It, it, it's a total turn. Yeah. I never, never would have thought that growing up. Is it easier to like sell cards? Because I remember, I mean, you know, it was like sports card shops and I mean, now you got the internet, you got eBay and, and all that. Does that make it all? I have to imagine that makes it a lot easier. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I got like a Tim Duncan card when I was listening to your podcast and you mentioned nice. Tim Duncan cards and I'm like looking it up and, you know, I'm on eBay and I see one guy selling it for 10K. Another guy's like 1500. Does it make it harder or a little bit easier to sell cards that way? So way easier to sell and way easier to get like an actual approximate value on stuff, you know, again, same age as you. So back in the day, first of all, there were card shops everywhere, brick and mortar. And if you pulled a Michael Jordan card that was serial numbered, cause that started in the nineties, it was like, Hey, I'll give you five more packs for that card. And you just give it back to the shop owner. I just want to rip packs. Well now, you know, that card's worth 30 or $40,000. You know, there's certain inserts of Michael Jordan, precious metal gems are called PMGs. 
Again, you pull one of those and it was like, hey, I'll give you a whole box. You can open the whole box. Just give me that card back. And what, what else were we going to do? There was no eBay. You know, you're yeah. so it's way easier to sell now. And it just you can actually get some education. So you're not getting taken to the bank. What would you recommend for like, you know, maybe buyers that were kids or collectors that were kids? And, you know, they're used to the price guides. I mean, I, I, buy, I bought one every month and that. And, sure. you know, you're looking it up in 1993 Fleer or whatever. And they go to eBay and they see this, you know, different price range. What would you recommend for a person to, to kind of get a good gauge? Is it is PSA grades bigger now than what they were probably 25 years ago? Yeah. So PSA, the grading company. Mm-hmm. I mean, so the nice thing about that is if you have a PSA card, you know the condition of it, right? It's graded one through 10. And there's a pretty set market. Like if this card is a 10, it sells for X amount of dollars, as opposed to raw cards that are just not graded. You know, if it has a ding on the corner, if it's not centered well, it can be worth a little bit less because of that. So it's tough to get an actual, it can still be done. But, you know, one thing we preach, use eBay, use sold listings. There's a tab, you just click sold listings and it'll tell you what the card sells for. Another popular website, the number 130, 130point, just spelt out the word point, dot com. You type in the search bar and just search history and it, will, it shows you all completed listings for months, going back months of eBay. And then just get out there. Like eBay is the biggest, to me, the one that sets the market. But, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok now, you know, there's a bunch of dancing idiots on there, but there's a, there's a huge card market there too. It's nuts. So it really is on all social platforms now. Are you big into like, the, is it like the digital card? I don't know a whole lot about those digital card sort of things. I mean, I hate it. Jesse's into it. So Top Shot, he had a stat on the, on the podcast this morning. I tuned him out most of it, so I didn't listen. <laughs> but it's up like over the past four days, the overall approximate value of the first series collection went from like, I'm just making up numbers, but it went from like 150 to 27, 270,000. It's almost doubled in the past four days. But then again, look at it. Like Gary V's tweeting about it every couple of days. Yeah. You know, you've got just all these influencers and it just shows you a dude on Twitter tweeting about baseball cards and not even real digit, the digital market. And all these people are just flocking to it. It's, it's crazy. That's what I'm, I'm kind of worried about my four, soon to be four year old. If that's what he's going to be collecting is these digital cards instead of oh, I like yeah. the material stuff, you know, give him two years. That kid's going to be running circles around me and you, that kid's be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Cardboard. You're supposed to be doing this. I'm like, I don't even, exactly. that's what's crazy. Young <laughs> dudes know so much now because they're way more in tune with this stuff. So yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, you know, I, I know in one of your episodes uh, on your podcast, sports cards, nonsense, you talked about, you know, the bubble and, and on my radio show, we've been talking about, you know, sports cards a little bit more and people are coming out of the woodworks talking about this more too. They're getting excited. And I know you kind of talked about the bubble. Uh, is there a bubble? Isn't there not a bubble? Everybody's worried about it. Is it going to burst or, and then, you know, the market's going to go down, but you, you, for, from what I gather from your episode, you don't really know, if, you, you don't really think it'll burst like really bad or anything like that where the values will go down. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like anything else, right? I just feel like, first of all, people who missed the boat on things just would rather be bitter about it than just say, Hey, I missed the boat, you know, mm-hmm. like, and that's fine. Like if that's how you live your life, I, I don't have time for you. Like there's plenty of people who were involved in this hobby and have always been a little bit pessimistic and, and, and fine. So you never spend everything, right? Mm-hmm. No problem. Other people just decided, Hey, I think this is going somewhere. So I'm going to throw money into it and take a risk. And they made money and people came in all along the way, you know, some people, Hey, we'll throw certain, whatever, but, but like just reasonableness, Everything is a bubble. People use this term like it's some like brand new thing. Literally every market you could consider a bubble and it's just in one various stage or another. So the the market right now is thriving. This whole world, this whole bubble is expanding like crazy. 
Is it going to burst at some point? I mean, again, to me, a burst is not stuff coming back down 20 or 30%. A market, a bubble bursting is like, oh, seven. You know, I was in Boston at the time. Construction. Oh, excuse me. I just moved to Nashville. Just left Boston. You talk about a bubble burst, like the real estate market burst. Houses were sitting empty for years. Building had stopped. Like it was crazy and it affected the whole economy. That's a bubble burst. National debt was through the roof. Like people were panicking and losing everything. Is that ever going to happen with this? I don't think so because it's a commodity market, first of all. People who are smart are not investing their entire 401k into this. They're making calculated decisions. Um, you know, again, just that negative attitude. It's like, well, people see Gary V. I just use him because I think he's one of the most vocal. Simmons is going to start getting more vocal about it. He's coming on our show Friday. And Simmons is a huge, I mean, he's a big name in sports, obviously. You know, a couple things. Guys like that, when they start investing their own money, they're a lot smarter and wealthier than me. I feel like they're not doing that and saying, hey, in six months, I might lose everything. Mark Cuban investing millions of dollars. That's not a guy who's throwing money and saying, oh, well, maybe I'll, ha I'll have a nice ride. There's a reason people like that have money and have respect in the business world. They know what they're doing. They can read the signs. So there's also caution though. And that's what Zion Williamson's a perfect example. His stuff is super expensive right now. He's not proven at all. He's played, you know, 70 games in his whole career. And this stuff's overproduced, like everything is. But guys also think, well, there's so many of them. How are we going to keep up with the supply and demand? Like it's out of balance. Is it though? I mean, again, so many people are flocking back to the industry now. To me, I think there's a lot of money to be made in the short term because I feel like the modern thing, when things do slow down or start to correct, modern stuff that's overproduced from unproven players will start to, to, to be affected. So I'm not going to load up on Zion cards and, and say, hey, in 10 years, he's going to be worth a ton of money. But at the same time, I spent 125 grand last week on Willie Mays rookies. Mm -hmm. I don't have any fear about that. In 10 years, I'm good having two Willie Mays rookies, and I don't think I'm going to lose money on it. So the top end, I don't think we're ever really going to see that bubble burst. Talk about the longest answer of all time. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love I it. Agree. You, I should have given you a mute button for me. <laughs> I just start rambling. No, I love it. You know, when you did your episode on 90s hoops, I mean, that piqued my interest because I got two binders. That, that was my wheelhouse. I, I was a Shaq guy. Oh yeah, I was an Orlando yep. Magic fan in the '90s. Just I love the Magic. It's funny. I love the blue. I just love the jerseys. That was yep. my favorite color. Him and Penny. Exactly, little Penny, yep. Dennis Scott, Nick Anderson. You know all those guys right there. Old so, man Horace. Oh yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, so when you were talking about that, that might ears perked up. But then you know you, you talked about Tim Duncan and some of those guys. I know you mentioned your know, Hall of Fame. That's going to help you know raise the prices of a lot of those guys. So like my question is, is like what about like Magic Johnson and Larry Bird in their era? You know, are their are their values a little bit low right now? And and if so, why is that? Why is that the case? Yeah, so so they were. Again, the whole world is turned upside down. So uh, one thing we try to do on the show too, we try to say, hey, here's what I have in my collection that I've had. Here's what I paid, so you can see the progressive growth. And I always end every episode with, here's what I bought this week. And I do that to show people this is what I think is a good buy, and I put my money where my mouth is. So with Bird, for example. I bought his PSA eight rookie. So it's, it's a it's three small cards all attached at one. So it's bird magic Johnson and Dr. J from 1980 tops. It's a PSA eight card. I bought that about two years ago for 792 bucks. And I was thrilled because I'm a bird guy. I didn't care. That card now is worth 15 grand. Wow. So the bird market has finally taken off because guys are realizing this card's 40 years old. There's not a ton of them. There's a couple thousand in high population. And it's iconic. It's with Magic, who's 
I mean, to me, Bird and Magic are top, you know, four to eight players all time, wherever you want to put them. Bird first, obviously, then Jordan, but that's fine. A little bit of hometown bias. But those guys have finally started to get the respect because, again, what's going to happen where you're all of a sudden going to say Magic is not a top 10 guy? Mm-hmm. Nothing. The dude is cemented. Like, even if you hate the Lakers, which I did growing up, you respect Magic. But there's a reason his picture and that ball behind me are autographed by Magic and Bird. Like that, not only were they great players, but I think most people would say that's what revived the NBA in the 80s. Before I was even born, but even me growing up, like, and you, I'm sure you're the same, like your dad, who were the guys who brought him back to the NBA? It's like, or that generation, it was Bird and Magic, yep. you know? So just cultural icons, they're both still involved in, in, in culture now too. Of course, Magic own and stuff. So mm-hmm. I think those guys have a thriving market and now they're to the point where they're crazy expensive, but it's almost portfolio level stuff. Nice rookies of those guys. I think you just hold on to and a couple percentage points every year. You'll just see steady gains. Would you say PSA grades are more important now in 2021 than maybe like 1998 or something like that, where yep. are that much more important? Way more. Yeah. The value, a card might sell for a hundred dollars as you pull it out of a pack as it sits. If that card grades a PSA 10, it's three, four, $500 now. Wow. You know, it's just, and especially on vintage Michael Jordan, PSA 10 rookies are selling for 750,000. Jeez. PSA nines are selling for 55 right now with vintage stuff. Grading is everything. Wow. So speaking of that, I, I remember one time I was at Ben Franklin nickel dime store. Uh, I was buying some cards with a buddy of mine and it was a year. I think they did some rookie reprints. I pulled a Dr. J, but he grabbed the pack before mine, Jordan rookie reprint. Piss oh. off right there. One pack <laughs> ahead of me. Uh, now but- where are you from? Cause Ben, Fra- I remember Ben Franklin stores back home. Yeah, I'm uh, Wisconsin, middle Midwest. Right oh, really? Okay. Nope. Yeah, exactly. That would that All was right. our card shop. It was Ben Franklin. Right. That's funny, man. Uh, so you speaking of stores, like you know, I had a listener ask me, you know, they they go to stores like the department stores of Target or something like that, and there's no cards mm-hmm. on the shelves right now, and they're wondering, could, could, is there a possibility that's going to change anytime soon? I mean, I, just because everybody's buying everything up, and it seems like there's not as many brands as there was, you know, when we were kind of collecting as kids too. So here's what's weird about it. There's more brands now and more stuff being supplied at Target. When, when Target and Walmart restock, they get pallets of stuff. But it's to the point now where like here in Nashville and almost any other major city now, there's lines out the door because people know when they're restocking. So much so that now you have signs on the wall where the cards are, one box per person. Yeah. Because people are buying boxes for $19.99 MSRP. And like Prism Basketball, for example, which is an expensive product, buy it for 20 bucks, sell the same box without opening it. Don't do anything. Sell it for 80 to hundred dollars. Well, guys started realizing that. So they would just line up and buy the whole pallet, yeah. you know? And so it's become such a phenomenon. The retail chase guys are literally, it happens here every, I think it's Thursdays now here in, in my town, people just line up out the door before Walmart opens. There are 30 people in line. Most of them are wearing an oversized jersey of some kind, and they are just ready to they buy whatever they can find because the market's so crazy hot. That is insane. That is insane. Yeah, I, for the first time this weekend, I saw a store say they had some tops of the new baseball mm-hmm. limit five for those boxes or something. Like yeah, that. you know, and I almost wanted to buy all five at that point. If the, you and you probably like worst case, you probably would have made twenty percent back on your money, twenty percent profit. I mean, worst case with crap product now, not the tops is crap product, but I mean they're just. It's so hot now. It's like the trickle down effect, right? Like Jordan rookies are worth a million dollars. So everything else just kind of followed suit. And mm-hmm. so the whole market's just crazy right now. 
second to last question for, for you, Mike, here. For someone that's maybe getting back into to the game of collecting that, you know, maybe first started as a kid, they're getting back into it now. What would be like one of the biggest tips or advice that you would give them that maybe, you know, has changed in the last 25 years that they kind of have to do a little bit more research on or be up to date on? Yeah, so so price shopping, I think, is a big thing. Um, I'm, I'm also a fan of, too, coming to this with an idea, like anything else, what are you trying to get out of it? You know, are you a guy who wants to come in and have a couple pieces of art? You know, like, hey, I just, I love Ken Griffey growing up. I love Larry Bird. I want a couple pieces like that to display. Awesome. Identify what you want. Quit, you know, spend five minutes on research of, hey, what should this card be selling for? You know, what is grading? You know, why are some cards in a holder and some cards are not grading? It's a very simple process, but just, just kind of understand, hey, if you're coming into this as a hobby, I'd still just be selective. What do I want to buy? You know, what's the track record with a certain player or product? And, and, and just buy what you want. If you're coming in, into this with the mindset of I want to buy and flip and make money and have this be a side hustle or even a, a full-time job, okay, like anything else, research, start listening. Not only listen to like podcasts like mine, get involved everywhere. I mean, see what are people who are making money in this spot, in this space? What are they doing? Who are they buying? You know, everybody wants to be original with stuff. Just copy people who do it better than you. <laughs> I, I, I think that's, you know, Gary V does a lot of the stuff better than I do. Simmons does stuff better. So, you know what I try to do? I try to copy him. I, I add my own flavor and I'll, I'll have my own opinions. But if smart people are buying player XYZ, probably a reason for it. So. Uh, I just got a couple lightning round questions. If you're sure. ready for it. Uh, who's I'm not favorite? doing anything, Dan. This is my day right here, pal. I am psyched. So anything, uh, I, I got all the time in the world. Awesome. Perfect. <laughs> was there a certain player you collected the most when you were a kid? Like I mentioned, I, I was a Shaq guy. I, I looked to, to collect players like, like all the Shaq cards I possibly could. Was there yep. a player that, of yours? Griffey. My brother loved Griffey growing up. So that was my guy. Yep. Griffey was him. Uh, and it was like right in my wheelhouse. I was, you know, six seven years old when he started really he broke out in 89 so i was three but right after that and he had that one iconic upper deck card you know and it was untouchable because it was 50 bucks which for us was no chance right. so yep griffey was my guy you you're kind of wearing the hat but my next one was what was your favorite team growing up or what is your favorite team right now you know what's sad i have the Sox hat on i love all sports boston i have really lost a lot of interest in sports from a viewer point i hate to say it like baseball to me is brutal i i have so much trouble if it's not like oh four ruined it once the Sox got over the hump and beat the yanks it was like what do we do now like what, what's supposed to be the follow-up act plus my favorite guys of all time pedro manny i love those dudes yeah. even the patriots i hate to say it i watched every bucks game this year i watched a couple pats games but i'm a brady guy mm -hmm. brady literally paid for a couple of our houses i mean <laughs> so it's like i had the the financial interest but i just love the guy so when he left give me a bucks jersey i'm a fair weather fan uh what was your go-to card place as a kid you know i mentioned ben franklin was it for me because that was what we was there like a mom and pop shop that you had you mentioned you went with your dad and that was there always a go-to place oh man yeah um i don't even know if it's still around it has been you're talking 25 30 so there was a place in haverhill massachusetts where which is where i'm from comic book palace oh. tons of comic books but he also had wax in there um there was another place in Grove, man, I can't believe Groveland, Massachusetts, Will's Cards, but I, I'm pretty sure he died like a decade ago. And then my dad was just over the line uh, from Mass. He was in New Hampshire. We went to the Dairy Flea Market. D dudes in there would just have boxes, packs, boxes, singles, everything. We went there every other weekend when I was with my old man. We just go there every time. 
Awesome. So, oh, yeah, loved it. Awesome. I love stories like that. That's Americana to me for some reason. I think of sports cards collecting as kids. Yeah, yeah that, that was what that was what we did every. I mean, I saw him every other weekend. That's what we did every other weekend. Saturday morning, mm-hmm. you couldn't drag me out of bed to go to school or do anything. But Saturday morning, I was up at six o'clock, like laced up and ready to go. Speaking yep. of going to school, I remember as a kid too. Like we'd bring our binders and we'd do trades. Do you think the 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 era of trading cards is over and everybody's just kind of selling them? Because I remember getting you know hustled or something like that. I remember trading <laughs> a Jeff Blake card for two Deion Sanders, and that was right. an idiot move when I was a kid. Now it worked out, but you know. Yeah, it's different. Like back then, I just think it was such a pure love of the hobby thing. You know, you just didn't care. Like I never remember saying, "Hey, my card's worth four dollars, so right. I want two of yours for two dollars." Just like, I like the blue card. You like the red card. Who cares? There's still a lot of trading. Um, I, I think now most guys, though, first of all, the average age collecting, it's not a kid's thing anymore. You know, because you can't go to Walmart and buy a pack for 10 bucks. It's like a lot of the younger guys and people who don't have just disposable income have been priced out to a degree. Uh, so that side, I, 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 it stinks. It's just the reality, but that's what it, what it is. Um but there is still a lot of, you know, there's forums where there's plenty of trading. Facebook's a big trading space still, Instagram, Twitter. So it, it does still happen, but now everybody is so in tune with value. It's just, it's hard to win a trade. You know, you can just trade because you like something, but most people now are, are pretty in tune with the market. You know, just because it popped up in my mind, but I saw a store the other day, you know, they had boxes for like, what was it 1990 NFL or 91 baseball or something like that. It was only like 20 bucks. Are those worth it? Those, those type of buys? Yeah. So, you know, you can still find random stuff like that, you know, and and a lot of it is just who is the rookie in that product. Mm -hmm. So one thing we just did recently, uh, a a buddy of mine called me in Pennsylvania. He says, Hey, I just walked in this. I think it was actually an antique store, but he had a sealed case. So it was just a box about two feet by one foot across two feet deep. And it was all from 1989 tops traded was the set, but instead of it being packs tops traded was just a a super small box had 150 cards. I think it was a set. So you got one of every player in the set, you know, three years ago, it was like a $20 box. Now brand new like that, they're 80 to hundred bucks because there's a Troy Aikman and a Barry Sanders rookie. So there's still the old stuff I think is a great value because even a, a cheap product like that, if you grade the Barry Sanders at 10, it's worth like 400 bucks. Okay. And, and again, that, that brings it down to a lot more people's price range, 70, 80 bucks is, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to, you know, 5,000 for some of these basketball boxes. Right. Uh, last question for you, Mike, and I know you touch on it quite a bit in your podcast too, um, but for anybody, you know, because I'm sure you probably get it a lot from everybody, do I sell? Do I hold on? You know, do, it, and you kind of preach, it, it, it's kind of up to you. Do you need the money? Do you not need the money? Are you doing it for a hobby? I mean, that's, that's kind of what it boils down to, isn't it? Yeah, there's a couple things. I don't remember who said this, but somebody said, if you need, if you need cash, if you can't make your mortgage payment, you better not have any Brady cards in the house. Like if you need money and you're sitting on baseball cards, like, come on, sell your crap. Don't, don't go into credit card debt because you need to make a payment, sell your cards. So if it gets to the point we need to sell, sure. Other things though, too, I just feel like, again, kind of reading the market. Certain cards have probably topped out. I sold all my Zion stuff over the past month. I've sold all my Zion. I think it's about as high as it's going to get before it spikes again. I can buy back in. And then my biggest thing is don't look back. You start looking back through cards. Hey, I sold, I sold two Tom Brady numbered rookie autographs. I don't know, five years ago, I got 5,000 bucks and I was psyched. I had paid 1100 a piece, made a ton of money. Those cards now are worth 90 to hundred grand a piece. Wow. So if you're going to sit there and play the what if game, but then I think, well, what did I do with the five grand? 
So if you're going to sell with the intent of you need money, who cares? You need the money, do your thing. If you're selling with the intent of it's just high and I want to cash out while it's high, great, cash out and then just reinvest. Keep the ball rolling. That snowball effect, it's, it's almost like compounded interest. You can really, there's still spots to make money. So if you think one thing is topped out, cool. Take your win, invest it and just keep the ball rolling. He's Mike Giuseppe, co-host. Of- Perfect pronunciation, man. Twice with Giuseppe. I, I, I made sure. I listened to him <laughs> like a couple times your first episode this morning just to make sure I, nice. I, I got it down. But him and Jesse do an amazing job over there at uh, the Ringers Sports Card Nonsense podcast available on Spotify. Dude, I could be talking with you probably for hours on sports cards. I, I love this. So thank you for taking the time, man. Anytime. Hey, I appreciate it, brother. Anytime. Yeah, let me know. Happy to come back, Dan. I do appreciate the time. Awesome. Appreciate it, Mike. Thank you so much. All right, buddy. Have a good day. You too. See ya. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Now, if you want the music edition, you have to be subscribing on Spotify. If you don't care about the music, well, you can find us on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, even Spotify as well. And don't forget to rate the podcast, too. That way other fans or other listeners can find this podcast. Just make it a good rating. I'm Dan Casper, and that's been another episode of the Man Cave Podcast.